Barney and Friends. Barney Simon. Jacaranda FM. What a song, Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. Jack Run FM, my in-studio guest, Joe Parker, Barney and Friends. Why that song, Joe, man? It's just uh, goosebump stuff. I mean, oh, when I heard great. that the first time, mm. I remember playing that for the first time on radio, on vinyl still, wow. in the 80s. And just an incredible ba- band, the way they wrote their lyrics. They, they got into politics as well. There was a certain stage. I think when Maggie won it for the third time in a row or whatever, they, uh, they, they started writing songs about politics and stuff. But uh, why do you like them so much? Well, it, was, it came out pretty just shortly after, you know, being on the circuit for 14 years with a, and we had a five-piece band. Our last gig as a five-piece band was at Spats at the Sand and Sun in July, uh, July 1985. And two of the guys who had been in the band, the bass player and the guitarist, had moved back to Cape Town. And it was a few months later, I'd actually gone down there and was and I'd heard the song on the radio, but when I saw them play it, it kind of just connected with me because, you know, like the music of the 80s, very well constructed. Uh, a lot of ways very simple, but I think production was was key there. Um, and it's just just such a great beat. I mean, you know, just think about the words don't mean a huge amount. I think they might have meant quite a lot in the 80s. But it's still, whenever I hear it, I, I just get this nice feeling. You know, it's mm. just good music. They still have to come out here one day, Tears yeah. for Fears. That'll be nice to bring them Great. out. Uh, then you went off uh, compulsory military service. Mm. So you got your little, uh, how old were you when you went? 18? 20, no. You were supposed to go when you were straight out yeah. of school. But I'd been in the Merchant Navy. Right, and yeah. I'd been married. And uh, so you, it was deferred and deferred and deferred. And then eventually went in 1973, went to Kimberley. I did three months at Kimberley. Then went to Durban for the balance of that, you know. So I was at Hotel Command, as they used to call it, mm. down in Durban. Uh, what was the army like? I mean, you had your experience in the Merchant Navy. Uh, army mm. totally different, and then you obviously met some weird characters. Yeah, uh, in the in, army. Huh? In the army, uh, the army was just another surreal world, you know. I mean, the basics. Everyone did the same thing. Basics. I was a bit older, so I, I, I'm not trying to big note myself, but the, you know, the, your your NCOs and and you know the people that were kicking your backside a little bit brighter than them so I, I kind of manipulated it a little bit you know and uh, one of the int- funny things that happened was I got posted to Durban and I was a sergeant's clerk there and one of the first things I had to do was to read redo their roll call books and uh, I just left my name off <laughs> so I was at home every night there. it was ridiculous <laughs> clever, <yeah. laughs> and yeah. uh, so you did uh, your, it was nine months in those yeah, days correct. and then you did uh, any, any camps uh, I did a couple of camps but uh, they were done uh, out at Island View you know I used to sit in the office by myself like from nine in the morning uh, eight in the morning till four and just did admin you know mm. it was, you know and I never went away I never went to the border so, and I was then working at night. I was working at the Lonsdale Hotel and the places like the uh, uh, the Cumberland Hotel in Durban, Charlie Roger down in Durban. So I was already working every night. Yeah. And did you, uh, you know, when you're lying in your tent at night in uh, Kimberley where you started there, did you mm. tell any jokes? Then? No. Nothing at all? No, I play, I had a guitar. There was a guy, a guy called Dave Constance. I wonder if he's still around. He had a guitar and we used to do, sing stuff, the music of the day, you know, Beatles songs and you know, uh, you know, early eagles and that type mm-hmm. of thing. You know, so that was the, my kind of entertainment thing. And then, of course, I'd, I had done comedy before. Mm. I remember going to the NCO's mess at Verda, and doing a sergeant there had seen me in Pretoria. I'd been working Pretoria and said, "Come and entertain the guys here." 
And of course, being completely unsophisticated, I just took the complete piss out of the Afrikaans guys because that's what you did in those days. And of course, they were all Afrikaans, not realizing they didn't think it was very funny. But I had a few drinks and and uh, I, they didn't like me after that, you know. But uh, you know what? We move on. I, I saw you once. Uh, we would. Uh Discussing the venue, mm. but I remember it was. Uh, I was in the army as well. We still had our uniforms on, and we found out about this guy called Joe Parker. I think Cy Sachs was there as well mm. one night, and they you told jokes about the army. Mm. And uh, it's it's amazing how you know uh, it, we laughed so much. It was a brilliant night, and we kept on going back the Crest mm. and yeah. hotel. Uh, just the way you got through to a lot of guys. I mean, they came back from the border and they were a little bit depressed and whatever. And just how you. You know, the inspiration and, and the, the true stories about the Sergeant Major and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, amazing that you, you were a great storyteller and we laughed at your stories rather than one-liners yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, the Army story was, I was, you know, that was quite popular with people who used to come and watch me because of the fact that at the time everyone was going and, uh, you know, they could relate to everything. And it really, it was not made up. It was just relating what had happened to me, the silly things that they made you do, you know. And everyone would come along and laugh and say, oh, that happened to me, you know. So mm. if you're talking about common and shared experiences, you know, that, that creates, you know, a nice camaraderie and it makes people laugh because you would be taking the mickey out of it all the time. So the army story became quite a quite a um, quite a popular part of what I did. And to this day, people say, don't you still do the army story? And I say, no, because it's not relevant. You know, mm. you, you, even though you might have a special place in your heart for it, if I told you the same story today, you would just look at me and go, really? Is that what we used to laugh at then? Mm. Because it's no, it's no longer relevant. Sing je die boom. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, that. That. yeah. And then come back and say you went around the wrong way. Or, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, if, it, if you maybe one day you should organise uh, at your venue here at uh, Monte Cassino an army night, and get all the guys yeah. and talk, you know, because it's we're going to sit there and go, look, I was shot, yeah. yeah. They go, oh yes, and an R one bullet went through my mm. nostril and it yeah. came out this. You know what I mean? Then you mm. brag about, yeah. and everybody's been through hell and whatever. But hey, maybe you should look at that. Yeah, we've spoken you know? about doing it. We want to just like a bit of a flashback night, yeah. you know, a bit of a kind of a nostalgia evening where people just come along and and because there's. I mean, you know, over the time I've been doing this, uh, there's, I've got hours of material which I don't use anymore because of the style of comedy and which also, you know, is not as funny to me now as it might have been then uh, and not as relevant, you know, in the, the style of the way I do things. You know, and of course, I've moved on a little bit. So, I mean, I still realize that it's got huge value for people. I mean, I often go into, and do, when I've been doing corporate work, you walk into a boardroom and the guys sitting there that used to come and watch you in that varsity. And, you know, they just have that, you have that little connection with them, but you can't recreate that. Yeah. You know, that was important for them then. Now they are who they are, and they've got a very fond memory of what that was, but it's just, you've moved on, you know. But there are amazing stories you can tell about South Africa right now, if you think oh. about it. And, uh, you know, especially you look at politics, and you can mm. get away with, like you said, the F word mm. and religion and politics. Mm. You can do whatever you like on stage mm. now, which is, uh, it, it's nice to have that bit of freedom, isn't it? We're very lucky in this country in, the, in that, you know, uh, you're not censored on stage. You can say what you like. Um, and I'm not talking about just being vulgar, uh, you know, and co comedians who are vulgar will get called on it. They just don't get booked again. Not because I am the censor, but I really want people that are going to entertain the audiences. And if you're not entertaining people and you're just, and you're just defending them, you're not valuable to us. You know, we're, we're running a business here. Um, but in, in that being said, you can criticize the government, you can pretty much have your opinion about anything 
as long as you're entertaining people, people don't really mind. You know, a lot of the time you're saying a lot of things that they wish they had said. When did you decide to uh, open your own venue? How long ago was that? Uh, well, this is not my first or second. or th- It's actually the third venue. Of, uh, we opened a comedy club in Cape Town in 2001 uh, with a, uh, my partner at that time, a guy called Derek Gordon, and it was called Comedy Warehouse in Greenpoint, which is now just the hottest area in Cape Town, <laughs> kind of just near Pigal, across the road from the Protea Hotel. And um, we struggled our way through it. We couldn't just, you know, we had a nice venue, great comedians, up-and-coming people. But Cape Town is, is a bit different to Joburg. You know, Cape Town, you can have 200 people booked on a Saturday, and the weather is really nice at 9 o'clock at night. They just stay on the beach, they mm. pitch, you know. Whereas now, you know, you can't book a seat without paying for it, you know. So it's kind of that we've moved on, become a lot more commercial about it. So that was 2001, closed it in 2003, and then we opened the one in Monty in 2008. Sure. And mm. uh, every time I walk past there, I, I feel mm. proud. I'm, I'm so proud of what you've done. Thank you. For up-and-coming South African musicians also, we're going to talk mm. about that later. But, but comedians, they know there's a place where they can go, lovely, uh, you can sit down, it's, it's decent, it's spotless inside. I think I've only been there once, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. But, and I've, got a, I've still got that purple card, is it still valid? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like a membership VIP yeah. card. Yeah. But uh, well, I, I really think, uh, you know, uh, you let me know exactly who's performing then. I, mm. You know, I watch uh, Comedy Central mm. and uh, I've discovered amazing talent there and they've yeah. all performed it at your yeah. venue how did you sign that deal with uh, the channel well they approached us in 2011 once when, once they decided to actually open an office here in johannesburg and uh, they had the ideas what they wanted to do and this they bounced they came and spoke to to me and uh you know what because of the fact they didn't realize that there were so many comedians they felt that they really had to target the high profile guys and we made some suggestions around that and so going from a series which was going to be about six programs we finished up doing 16 programs and uh, there were going to be six specials featuring one comedian we eventually finished up uh, with 16 programs with four comedians on each show so instead of there being six we actually showcased 64 guys and what what the great benefit of that was that first of all it, it profiled the club really well and secondly probably most importantly profiled the genre the fact that people watching the program would realize there was more to stand-up comedy than the few guys that were well-known. Um, and uh, I think it was good for sta- for Comedy Central as well. So, but we've got a great relationship with them. And then, uh, you know, we've, uh, uh, you know, we've, I think it's been, it's facilitated. Barney and Friends. Barney Simon.